Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. Today, we have Jacqueline Thomas. Jacqueline was Miss Arizona 2019. Her story is absolutely fascinating, but I think one of the things that really stood out to me was her resilience and her desire to keep getting better on her pursuit to winning. Thanks so much. Right. Hello and welcome to an episode of Who Knew in the Moment, the podcast. Today, I'm honored to have Jacqueline Thomas with me. Uh, she has a fascinating story and we're going to get to hear all about it today. A few things that stood out to me. One is she's a believer in affirmations and one of her affirmations goes, I am capable, I am ready, and I am enough. And then the second thing that stood out to me was one of her mantras, and that is, you have to arrive mentally where you want to before you can be there physically. And I think there's a lot to be said about the visualization, just knowing where we're going. So Jacqueline, thanks so much for being on today. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Awesome. So one thing you talk about is growing up, you had parents that had high standards. Now, there's always a pro and a con to this, but talk a little bit about being raised in an uh, environment that has high standards. Growing up, I am the only girl and I have three younger brothers. So that was an interesting dynamic. Not only am I the experiment child, I'm also the only girl. And with parenting, I think that parents tend to be a lot harder and more protective of their girls than of their boys. I don't know if this is a societal or a culture thing. Anyway, that's how it was for me. And we had very high standards growing up. I have been playing classical piano since I was four years old. And I think that that also came because my parents wanted to play when they were younger and they never had the opportunity to. So that was something that they put me in from a very young age. And that ended up being one of the highest standards that was a constant throughout my childhood. Um, for example, we had piano lessons at 6.30 a.m. on Tuesday morning. So my parents would get all of us ready to go the night before, the morning of. Um, and those days growing up as a kid, that was brutal to have to get up that early. And the, also the level of excellence that our piano teacher required of us is what really set the tone for me in my teenage years and into my adult years. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into becoming good at the piano, right? Yes, absolutely. So much practice, hours and hours of practice, hours and hours of failing as well. It's almost like reading another language because it's a totally different part of your brain. But I came to love it. Um, I really got serious about it when I was a young teenager. And then I eventually took that talent to the Miss America stage. Yes. So uh, something that stood out then, obviously, you become good at these things. And as you're in school, you wanted to run for a class president role. And they said no. Talk a little bit about that, because that ends up being a chip on the shoulder. Yes, well, it can be depending on your perspective. So I went to a very small private high school. And this is essentially where my Lady Leaders Initiative was born. It was born out of this idea that because I was a female, I wasn't allowed certain leadership positions because in my high school, they were reserved for the males. And so I held in student government the highest position I could as a female, whether that was um, the secretary or the vice president and ended up being for the most parts of my high school secretary. So I was always involved in student government. But what I realized was that 
my particular high school afforded all their resources and mentors and like hardcore extracurricular activities for the men. And I thought in a way that was disingenuous and not preparing women to be successful in their careers and in future education. Yeah. So at the time, did it bother you a lot then? And was there any support from, you know, family or friends like, hey, yeah, you should be able to run for that. Or at the time, was it like, this stinks, but we'll just, you know, sweep it under the rug and go about. I will say at the time, having the level of maturity of a 14 year old, I was very, very frustrated. (laughs) I remember walking the halls of high school and envisioning other opportunities that women should be a part of. And most of it involved in leadership positions. So to give a little backstory, not only were the leadership positions on the student level not given to females, there was no female leadership from the faculty, staff, Uh, or academic level. So this went all the way up. And that was really the culture of that private school. My parents and I were not uh, as much a part of that culture. My dad in particular thought that that was complete BS. And we worked on things outside of school to make sure to improve my leadership skills, public speaking, things like that. And that's essentially where Lady Leaders was born, my social impact initiative that I championed as Miss Arizona that I now also do now that I'm done holding my title as Miss Arizona. Yeah. Well, and talk a little bit about what is the kind of mission of Lady Leaders. I mean, we're picking up on some of the clues of it, but, you know, just express that. So going back to walking my school, my high school hallways and being frustrated that not only it wasn't only affecting me, it was affecting all of the female population at my high school, that we weren't allowed to get these opportunities that would put us in front of more people, give us more opportunities and therefore more leadership abilities to take with us after high school. And I was walking down the hallway, probably um, a senior in high school, when the things were really coming to a peak of my frustration. And I decided that Lady Leaders was something I was going to create to make sure that women were given mentors, tools, and resources that they needed to be successful. And it started out by helping women seek out leadership opportunities, whether Mm -hmm. that was in their junior high, like on a student board, or in their high school and student government. And then it just went up and up the chain as I got older and I just got more involved in my community and was looking to expand the reach for lady leaders. So as Miss Arizona, I held panels of women from different fields and different political parties that would contribute their advice to the next generation of women. And so it would be like girls saw someone that they wanted to be in the future from whatever their field, because also me as one person, I have my particular interests, my niche and my expertise, but I wanted to create an environment where girls, whether they wanna go into STEM or they wanna be a doctor or aerospace engineering, I guess those things are all STEM, but (laughs) I'm, I'm not, I don't know anything about STEM. That's not my area of expertise, but I wanted to show these women and these girls that here's someone who's done it, let me connect you to them. And that's how you get there. Yes. So it's interesting that you would say that because the power of seeing someone do something, uh, it really can motivate us. And you had that moment when a former classmate of yours had won a pageant contest. Yes. 
So I didn't grow up competing in pageants. Yeah. My main extracurricular activity was classical piano. I did dabble in some high school sports here and there just to blow off steam from all my stress of playing the piano. And I went to junior high with a woman named Jennifer Semested who won Miss Arizona in 2013. And I was on Facebook um, a couple of weeks before my freshman year of college started. And I came across that she had won the state title of Miss Arizona and would be going on to Miss America. And because we had such similar backgrounds and similar values, a similar upbringing, I thought, oh, there's no reason why I couldn't do that. I had grown up watching Miss America on television with my mom, but we had no idea that you could get locally involved in the system. We had no idea how any of that worked. So I reached out to Jennifer and she put me in touch with all the right people. And a couple of weeks later, um, when I was 18 years old, the first week of my freshman year of college, I won my first local title with the Miss Arizona organization. And the rest is history. I fell in love with the program. And eight years later, here we are. Yes. So there's so much to unpack there, because like you mentioned, you didn't do it growing up. And that's that's a pretty uncommon thing inside of the pageantry circle, right? That's usually something that's instilled in you and you start doing at a young age. So talk about some of the growing pains and maybe the, uh, I guess, exponential learning that had to happen uh, for you, maybe compared to some of your uh, competitors. You are absolutely right. Uh, the pageant world is that it's its its own complete world. There's multiple systems and age ranges and eligibility requirements, and each system is different. But here in the U.S., Miss America and Miss USA, getting to those stages are the gold standard, especially for women age 17 to 26. That's about the general age range of both of those pageants. And I wanted Miss America. I chose to compete in Miss America because they focus very heavily on talent, which was my classical piano. And then also they're very focused on your education. The money that you win um, can only be used towards uh, tuition money or secondary education cost. And then thirdly, they're very heavily focused on your career and your resume. And that was something that I thought paired up really nicely with what I wanted to do with lady leaders. Yes. So I I just wonder this, as you're getting started, there's always that like inkling of what the heck am I doing? You know, why, why am I actually doing this? Talk a little bit about overcoming those, you know, internal, you know, fears and, and kind of how you did that, or if you had a support system that helped you work through that. So when I competed in my first local pageant, um, just for some context, there's three levels in Miss America. Um, First, you have to win a local title. So whether that's a city or a county, and then all those local titles compete for the state title, Miss Arizona, and then all the states compete for Miss Miss America, excuse me, and then it ends there. And it's a very competitive process. And when I walked into my first pageant that first day of my local when I was 18 years old I had no idea what I was getting into I think I for an interview outfit I wore some old internship clothes I had from an internship in college for or in high school um for my my dress I wore an old prom dress um I just patched together things here and there that were requirements of the pageant not having any idea what I was getting myself into and I always like the saying, you don't know what you don't know until you find out that you didn't know 
And that was basically my journey the first two years that I competed for Miss Arizona. I competed over a span of six years. And my first two years, I never even made the top 10. Um, And then I took a year off. So in 2016, I did an internship in Washington, D.C. that didn't allow me to be in Arizona physically for the summer. So that was my one year to take a year off to explore more communication and media, live in Washington, D.C., and also to really evaluate if I wanted to go back and continue competing. And the thing that was pivotal about that summer is that Miss America orientation was held here in Washington, D.C. that summer. So I got to schedule and arrange and attend meetings with our then Miss Arizona, with our senators and representatives on Capitol Hill. I also got to attend a Miss America reception where the late Senator John McCain spoke and meet several members of the national board as well as former Miss Americas, which it's very rare to be able to attend a reception like that because in order to get to that national level, it's such an elite exclusive stage. Less than 5,000 women have been able to get to the Miss America stage over the last 100 years. And that moment changed everything for me. When I was walking around on Capitol Hill, I saw the way these women carried themselves, their public speaking abilities, their poise, their ability to have a conversation with an elected member from their state. And I recognized that that was exactly who I wanted to become before I would ever move back to pursue a career in Washington, D.C., Now, the age limit for Miss Arizona at that time was 24 years old. So there's a pretty small window of when you have age eligibility to compete. And I promised myself that I wouldn't move back to Washington, D.C. until I either won, God willing, or aged out. So that first year back, I competed. I graduated from undergrad. I made the top 10 for the first time. So then I had graduated from undergrad. And I was looking at different things to do. And I basically made it my full-time job, aside from working and other things, to prepare for the title of Miss Arizona. And I hired coaches, which was the biggest biggest thing that helped me. And something that I'm really passionate about is if I'm going to pay someone to train me how to think, I want to make sure that our values align Mm. in the long run. Yeah. Because also with these competitions, they get so expensive and it's expensive like monetarily, but also emotionally and just your time. So I made a decision then that I was going to invest my efforts in coaches and like material things and people that would pay off long after my time being done competing in the Miss America organization. And I work with some really, really amazing women. Um, That year I made the top five. I was second runner up. I was the top fundraiser in multiple different avenues. I was a double preliminary winner, which meant I won the swimsuit and the talent award. And I fell short. I didn't quite get the title that year. And um, the lessons that I learned were incredibly valuable. And I think, you know, looking back, hindsight is 2020. I thought that I was ready that year. And, um, I I went back home after competing, wasn't sure what to do next, Um, got a a great job that put my career on a good track and prepared for Miss Arizona the last year, 2019, 
And that's the year that I finally won. Yeah. So let's think about the progression of that though, right? You, you said, hey, my goal is to either win or I'm not moving back until I would age out. Mm-hmm. But you said right after that, the, and when you said it, I saw you light up. I've, I qualified for the top 10 the first time and you were excited about that. So would you talk a little bit about having the ultimate goal that we're all trying to get to or that you know, you've set for yourself, but being able to like, enjoy the small victories on the way and not be like, Oh, I, I didn't win it my first year back. Why am I even doing this anymore? Right. I think it's funny how life comes full circle because growing up, I would always write down my favorite quotes in a journal and a notebook. And then years later now in my career, I work in communications, but one of my quotes that I, I think about when I'm working really hardcore towards a goal is it goes something like this along the way to your goal there is this thing called life and it has to be lived otherwise it will pass you by and I think that that's really important to remember especially people that are type a perfectionist very goal driven very internally driven and you have to celebrate the small victories Mm -hmm. so I remember when I made top 10 for the first time and didn't make the top five. So it was essentially called off stage. As I was walking off the stage, I was already thinking about what I needed to do to prepare for the next time, who I needed to hire as a coach, who I needed to connect with, what questions I need to ask and how I needed to better myself to get to the next place. And I think the thing that's important to recognize about competitions like pageants is that they're so subjective. Like we Mm, always say- different day, different panel of judges, different outcome. And sometimes from the audience per, audience's perspective, it doesn't make sense who the final winner ends up being. And that's why it's so important to have your why and to have your purpose outside of the competition and to know that your worth and your value doesn't come from a crown or a panel of judges that decided to give a particular girl a higher score for that evening. Yes, that's phenomenal. Now, the other side of the coin is I could see a little bit of defeat in you when you said I got runner up. I didn't quite make it. So how did you, you know, go back to the drawing board? Because you said in hindsight, I probably wasn't ready for this yet. But, you know, it it could be you could have one of two mindsets, right? Like, dang it, I didn't get first. How am I going to get first next year? Or you could say, well, last year I finished in the top 10, but this year I improved. I finished top five runner up. So I'm I'm getting closer. So talk a little bit about that mindset, because that's a little bit different than what we just talked about. So I feel like in 2018, my mindset was all about the hustle and the grind and looking at the different phases of competition and also at myself internally and externally, what I needed to work on Mm. to get to that next level, to make the top five. And it was much, it was very much an attitude and effort of striving, but not quite feeling like I had made it or I was enough. Yeah. And um, one of the coaches that was pivotal to me getting to that point, um, had a baby in 2019. So she was unable to be a part of my journey. And that being said, I hired someone else who completely changed my mindset for how to deal with this. And this new coach was just essentially building on top of what the former coach had helped me with. 
And we came up with several of the mantras that you introduced me with that I would say to myself before I walk on stage. But the biggest thing that changed, aside from really focusing on being humble for this opportunity, because most girls don't get to compete this often, it's pretty rare to compete five, six, seven times before you end up winning. Most girls are just done after one, two, three years because it, t- it requires so much of you emotionally, physically, mentally, all of the above. Yeah. And all that being said, what with this new coach, what we focus on was already being in the mindset of being Miss Arizona. And like, there was nothing else that I needed to do. There was nothing else I needed to prove. There was not like a workout or a question or a quiz or practicing my piano piece one more time that would tell my self-worth and my self-image that I was ready. That was something I had to work on on my own. And we essentially looked at this this second year, let's say, as a do-over in which I had an opportunity to treat everyone with kindness, to be extremely, extremely humble, and to know that regardless of what the outcome at the end of the, the day, at the end of the pageant week was, that I did everything that I could do and that I was enough. And it was yeah. like, once I had that mindset, it, like everything clicked and I, I won it all that year. Yes. So you credited a forum that you had attended to help you lift some of those, we'll just call them mental barriers, if you will. And talk a little bit about maybe some of the things you took away from that, uh, you know, that week or a couple of days um, that really helped you, I guess, move past that. The forum that changed everything in my mindset at the beginning of my preparation in 2019 for Miss Arizona was called the Landmark Forum. And it's actually an international organization. I highly recommend it to anyone and everyone from all walks of life, regardless of what your background is. There's, I think everyone that does it, it, they take something away and it's helpful to them. And that really, really helped me lift off mental inhibitors that I didn't realize that I had going back Mm. to that that quote I said earlier about you don't realize what you don't know until you realize that you didn't know it (laughs) right and there were some very pivotal pivotal moments during the forums it's a three-day weekend that you attend that I addressed issue areas where I was feeling incomplete about that I got Mm. relationships in my personal life with my family and former close friends complete about and it really helps you see the possibilities that there are moving forward. Um, And so my biggest takeaway from that, aside from getting complete about different issues that we we deal with as humans, just through childhood growing up with our parents, with different broken relationships, things like that, um, to see the possibilities in what was possible and to change not only your mindset, but how you communicate with people about that and to be very solution oriented. I think a lot of the times, especially when we're chasing after these big goals, we get defeated when we don't like reach the final top or, you know, we, we got almost all the way there and then we don't celebrate those things, but it's so important to, to, in your language to yourself and also to others to make sure that you're celebrating those things along the way. And that you're also really being grateful and humble and thankful and focused on, okay, what's the next thing? What do we need to do next? Yes, that's huge. Rewind that 30 seconds. Listen to that. There's a lot of power in that. And I want to also get your opinion on this. So we talked a little bit earlier about 
you know, how important it is to be able to see someone do something and be like, well, if they can do that, I think I could do that. But I think there's also a lot of power in having someone see it in you, maybe before you can even see it in yourself. And I know you said, hey, coaches were a game changer. So I'm guessing there's probably some, you know, amount of coaching that goes into, all right, hey, I believe in you, right? I can see you do it. So talk about maybe the combination of having, seeing someone that can do it before you, having someone believe in you before maybe you believe in yourself, and then also being able to eliminate those barriers and how that's kind of like the trifecta. That's a good way to put it. I would say that that is a trifecta. It's a combination (laughs) of seeing someone else do it and then visualizing yourself in that role. And then having people in your inner, in your inner circle that speak life into you, that you can do it, that you kind of borrow hope when you don't have hope for the day. Um, The two women that I worked with were a former Miss USA. Her name is Kristen Dalton and a woman named Heather Sumlin. Um, She is one of the coaches at of a company called mental management. And I would recognize the, I would recommend these two women um, to anyone, regardless of what they're competing, what you're competing for, regardless if it's a pageant or an interview, or if you just want to know what to do next in your career, or feel like you're stuck in the roadblock of life. And they were first and foremost, my champions that were like, look, even if you feel like you aren't ready or you haven't done enough, the track records show otherwise. And Mm. It was so important and during my work with them to create a combination of faith-based affirmations plus just positive affirmations to speak over yourself because there is power of life and death in the tongue. And we need to be very intentional about the words that we're saying, not only to others, but also to ourselves. That's huge. That's huge. And something that I want to highlight that you said there is the words we're saying, I, for me personally, there's so many times where I'll think something. And when you just think about a negative thought, it just bounces around in there. But when you actually say a lot, you're like, that's stupid. I would never actually say that about myself. Right. But when it's just in your head, you're like, oh man, it just keeps going back and forth. But the second you're like, I have to say it, it it can completely stop that thought right there in its tracks. No, that's so true. And I think I saw a quote, I think you posted it actually. And it was it was about how our own minds can be the most detrimental yeah. to ourselves because you're right, it's bouncing around in there. And we actually talked about that in the Landmark Forum, how we have a constant dialogue that just goes on and on all day long, whether we're conscious of it or not. And like, you have to make sure that you are conscious of it otherwise. And you have to put in like your mental strategies for when I'm spinning, what am I going to do to make sure that we nip this in the bud and we so we can progress. Absolutely. That's awesome. So we win. I, all right. I, I've, de- I've delayed it long enough. We win. We're the winner. So talk a little bit about, you know, some of the fun opportunities that you had after getting to win, you know, such a prestigious, uh, I guess, accolade or, uh, you know, award. It's interesting having a title, a state title like Miss Arizona, because it essentially strips you of all your other titles Mm. of like what your background is or your political affiliation or where you come from. And you get to sit at the table with people that you would not have had the opportunity to meet otherwise. And one of the questions I would get asked during my year is what's the best part of the job? And the best part of the job by far is the people that I got to meet. People from 
not only all corners of Arizona, but also all over the country. Um, I had someone DM me about a year ago and they were just asking like, how do you get to travel so much? Or how do you know people on the East coast? And it, I couldn't give a short answer because it was a combination of everything that I had done to work on from my time early in undergrad to becoming Miss Arizona to just own personal networking. And I love the social situations that you get put in as a state title holder, because sometimes they're so awkward. They're so random. They're so weird, but like there's beauty in that because it forces you to be able to be with someone regardless of what the issue is, regardless Mm -hmm. of what their story is and regardless if you agree with them or not. And I think, especially as a communicator, that's very, very powerful. Yeah, I bet. Now, this is my mind's wandering here, and I don't know, maybe you've reflected on this, or maybe you've had like this instance happen. I'm sure you have. Um, but you know, someone in 2013 was you, right? And there was you looking up to that person. Now there's a whole new group of girls that are looking up to you. Not that there aren't guys, but right, there's girls that would aspire to have the uh, title and role you do. I mean, does that make it like, holy cow, you know, like someone's looking up to me. Is that add a little like pressure to it? I mean, or I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to formulate it, but I'm just saying how cool of a, uh, you know, opportunity for you to be that for other girls like someone was for you now. It is very humbling to think about. I go back and forth with what content I want to post on my social media because I do have such a variety of a following, but at the same time, I'm very, very adamant about advocating for my personal values. So it is something that I think about. And I know that back in um, a couple of weeks before I won Miss Arizona in 2019, I held a panel, my first like inaugural panel as lady leaders that was really officially put together. It was in partnership with a women's foundation based out of Arizona. And my whole ammo kind of for my talking about my mindset leading up to like what changed between second runner up and winner was if I have the opportunity to change just one person's life, then that will have been enough. Then that's all that matters. And I don't need the title. So that was a thought that I kept in the back of my head during all my preparation and especially with lady leaders. So let's say the year after I got second runner up, and that's something that I still think about now Um, in my career now, sometimes people like to give me a hard time jokingly about my pageant past, but they, people that don't come from that world don't know how impactful it can be and how it can take a young girl who was naturally introverted and scared of public speaking and didn't know how to be personal with everyone she met to now I literally am a spokesperson and was a spokesperson for the one of the, the largest law enforcement agencies in the world. And that translation that translation of skills is really what makes the difference because that one person stood up before me and now I hope to be that for women coming up behind me. Yes, that is awesome. I love it. So for you, um, in the competition part, and you hinted at this, like I wasn't always comfortable with all these things. It's got to be nerve wracking, right? I mean, there's a panel of people literally judging you. <laughs> I mean, based on how you present yourself. So, how how do you kind of handle that? Of all right, I'm. I mean, I'm being judged by this grouping of people, and I they just may not appreciate what I'm doing in a way that 
someone else might. So how do you kind of balance that? And once again, the mental side of things. I definitely had two situations of that, that were, that ended up being the opposite outcomes. Okay. So my fifth time going to Miss Arizona, the year that I won in 2019, I had done it so many times. I was so well rehearsed. I was so well practiced and I knew exactly what to expect from like the institutional portion of the Mm -hmm. competition and how the board of directors structure the competition and had my mental game down that I was ready to go. It was easy. And it was also a combination of my physical practicing and work, as well as the same amount of mental practicing and strategy that I had done with my coaches and that I was able to just sit there and knock it out. Yeah. Um, but now, uh, flash floor to Miss America, that was an entirely different experience. So obviously I won Miss Arizona, which was yeah. my ticket to go to Miss America. And I was very well received in the state with the judges that year. I mean, I had been in the system for over six years at that time. So I had grew a variety of a fan base for people rooting on me to win after so many tries at, at the title. And Miss America was an entirely different concept. So not yeah. only was it in a completely new venue it was a new phase of competition the national board of directors was new it was nothing that i had been studying to prepare for over the last seven years and i really really had to lean into my faith and my mental strategies for that competition Um, because also at at the end of the competition i realized by the girls that they were picking the top 15 that if they wanted the judging panel wanted those particular girls and they didn't want me and I think that's just that's just a moment of self-awareness and maturity that it's like okay well now we're on to the next thing and it's not a reflection of anyone's inherent worth or value it's just a matter of what the organization what the judges were looking for in this particular year and sometimes we think that we want something and God gives us something else because there was something better or that's something that we wanted wouldn't turn out to be what we thought we wanted. Yeah, absolutely. What we want isn't always what God wants for us, right? So you talked about, you just used the phrase, um, you know, validation and, um, you know, value. And I think, you know, you had mentioned after you had won, you felt like, maybe some of the childhood things, right, of, you know, having parents with high expectations, you felt like there might be some validation. Talk a little bit about that. If you, if you got the validation you, you were expecting, or if that felt like you thought it, or if you realized, hey, th- there's more to it than just that, that person saying something. There definitely were times shortly after I won where I felt, let's just say like a selfish form of validation. Yeah. And I don't think that that feeling or that emotion can always be be selfish. I think it depends mm-hmm. on the context, especially when you worked really hard towards a goal yes. for a really long time. So yes, coming from a family that my parents had really, really hard standards on me, my piano teacher always did. And also I just had a lot of people that told me no or told me that I couldn't do it. So there's that aspect. But I think that at the end of the day, you can't, we can't get our validation from the world, from these yeah. material items. They're really fleeting. And one thing that I always made sure to do personally while I was competing was to make sure that I was tracking with my career 
right alongside the way. So I always had something else going on outside of competing for the title and outside of being caught up in this validation of the crown to make sure that I didn't feel completely defeated at the end of the competition. And I think that matched with my faith and understanding that I made in the image of God. And regardless of what these panel of judges decide to do this week, that remains true. And I'm going to continue walking in my purpose and seeking his will for what's next. That really was a trifecta that kept me going. And also um, when there were, were hard days at Miss Arizona, or when there was miscommunications or things that were really simple or uh, an event didn't go well, or someone didn't care or appreciate that I was there as Miss Arizona, Um, that's really what kept me grounded. And I think that is also what keeps me grounded to this day, because unfortunately, when these girls, they compete for years and years and years, um, when you're done being the title holder, there's like this weird sense of, oh my gosh, who am I? Like, who am I without striving for this? Who am I without the title? What do I do next? And I think that that's actually a huge area of opportunity in the pageant world in general. And um, that's something that I want to focus on personally with my ladies leaders mentoring. Yes, that's good. And I think one, one piece you mentioned in there is the, the title might be fleeting, right? Or the certain aspect of it's fleeting, but something I've really grown to respect a ton about the, the system is so many of the skills you learn to be able to compete at a high level in pageantry are so transferable in life, right? I mean, in your profession, in your career. Um, and I think, you know, as you talk about, hey, I learned no, I learned, you know, that things don't always go the right way. And you're able to learn it in an environment that in the grand scheme of life is controlled, right? I learned a lot in sports. And so it's like, hey, it's a good way to learn a life lesson that I can then apply when I'm in the real world. And I actually have to like deal with this, you know, big, important piece of my life. And so I think that's a really neat takeaway that there's so many things that you learned um, that are transferable into what you're doing today. Yes, I'm sorry. I think that you had a question in there, but what you said was so good. I was just (laughs) listening to that. No, I guess, you know, are there certain things that really stick out to you that you use on a regular basis today um, from what you learned while you were competing? Yes, absolutely. And that goes back to me being very intentional with the coaches that I chose to hire. Because again, if I was going to pay someone and invest all this time and money and energy into training into training me how to think, I wanted to make sure that it was transferable now. And I have the notes from those coaching sessions from hours and hours of them that I look back on at least on a monthly basis. And the lessons that I learned, not only with the coaches, but also in my time as Miss Arizona, follow me to this day in my job. I know for a fact that I wouldn't be where I am today without not only being Miss Arizona, but the attainment process of what it takes to become a kind of person or a kind of woman that can be a state title holder. And that was something that I worked on with my mental management coach when we talked about, okay, last year you were a second runner up. So there's not really much that you can, um, there's not much better that you can get this year. So in the event that you get first runner up, how are we going to handle that? What's our mental strategy? So we really focused on not just the accomplishment, but the attainment 
of the type of person that you want to be because the type of person that you become in the process of all this training and hard work and chasing after your goal is what lasts long after the crown is done. Boom. Boom. I love it. Gosh, that's good. That is good. Jacqueline, I, I, I don't think we can go any further. Like that is the perfect, like icing on the cake comment. I love it. It's all about the person you're becoming and who you want to become. That is phenomenal. Well, I appreciate you sharing your story today. Um, you know, just thinking back on, you know, a girl that had a goal and a dream of having this role inside of her school and being told no, based on your gender, you can't to all the accomplishments you've had. And then your mission today and uh, inspiring the, I mean, the youth, but certainly, especially the female youth. It's so cool to see what you're doing. Uh, the one promise you got to make me is, Hey, in three years when I don't know what your title or role will be at that point, but when you're doing all these amazing things and we've seen the programs grow and blossom, you'll come back on and update us of what's going on then. Yes, I promise. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on today. Thanks so much. Bye. Jacqueline, thanks so much for sharing your story. I just love how resilient you were in your pursuit. And you said, you know what? I'm either aging out or I'm going to win, but I'm not heading out until I've done one of those things. Your, your willingness to be coached and to continue to get better is awesome. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Share it, like, subscribe. Thanks so much and have a great rest of your week.